From WBGO, this is Newark Today, your monthly look at what's happening in and around New Jersey's largest city. And now, here's your host, Michael Hill. Ten years from now, I'll picture Newark with an improved educational system, and I'm sure we can do it. I picture Newark as a place where people will start to think about living instead of leaving. Today, I call for one Newark a Newark working together for better tomorrow. We're going to really see a transformation that I think is going to create in the city of Newark a national model for reform and change. We need a mayor who unapologetically loves this city and the people in it. And most importantly, we need a mayor that believes in you. Welcome to this special broadcast of Newark Today on WBGO 88.3 FM and WBGO.org. I'm your host, Michael Hill. The voices you just heard of, of the last four elected mayors of the great city of Newark, New Jersey's largest city, uh, this is a call-in show. We want to hear from you. Our number here is 844-677-9283. Certainly you have some concerns, some questions you'd like to share with some of the, uh, the mayors we have here uh, this evening. Let me introduce them to you. The uh, Honorable Mayor Kenneth Allen Gibson, elected in the city of Newark in 1970, all the way until 1986. Uh, the man who succeeded him, the Honorable Mayor Sharp James, from 1986 all the way until 2006. The Honorable Senator, who was the mayor of Newark from 2006 until 2013, when he assumed the uh, uh, junior position of senator representing the great state of New Jersey. And then elected in 2014, the Honorable Mayor Raz Baraka, who joins us monthly on our broadcast. And Senator Cory Booker, we have you on the record saying that you'll be calling in from time to time. <laughs> so we appreciate that. Uh, again, the call-in number here on Newark today is 844-677-9283. We are super excited here at WBGO. And uh, uh, our friends over at NJTV News, where I'm a news correspondent, uh, Facebook Live page is up, and we are simulcasting that, if that's the correct term, uh, on Facebook Live with W, uh, or pardon me, on NJTV. Uh, Mayor Gibson, uh, Mayor Sharp James, Mayor Cory Booker, Senator Cory Booker, Mayor Raz Baraka. When was the last time all four of you were on stage like this? I don't think we've ever. No, you guys forget me. We were together all for Raz Baraka's inauguration. I'll put it over I have yeah. I took a selfie with uh, Ken Gibson and Sharp yeah. James. I, I treasure to this to this day. Mm -hmm. All came to see him uh, swear his oath, and that was yeah. that was two and a half years ago. I guess it was. Right. I guess it was. Well, let's talk about uh, uh, kind of the foundation of of how this all started in terms of uh, you four being elected to. Uh, the city of Newark as the uh, as, as the mayor. Mayor Gibson, I want to start with you. 1970, uh, here it is three years after the rebellion or the riot as some people call it, and you become mayor of Newark, the first African-American mayor of a major northeastern city. What was it like uh, in, in 1970? What did you inherit? I inherited uh, a lot of problems. Uh, frankly, most of those problems still exist. But the important thing is that we made national and international history, which allowed us to prevail upon the federal government for special attention, special grants. I think I had more federal money coming into Newark historically than any other time in history. And that was during, and I'll make note of this, that was during the Nixon administration, 1970, we're talking about. Oh, yes. The important thing is that uh, we live in a country that pays attention to the press, uh, headlines. Um, my election was actually covered internationally. So that allowed us to go to every department in Washington begging, really, <laughs> to get special attention and special grants, which all came in. Uh, unfortunately, Mayor Baraka doesn't have that money anymore, but we were able to do that. What was your, uh, I'm curious, in, in May of 1970, again, three years after the city had burned, there were images that were probably indelible for a lot of people around the country, what was your pitch? What was your sell to get people to invest and interested in, in coming to Newark and investing in Newark? Well, the pitch really was 
organizing in an effort to produce a victory. Uh, Mayor Baraka's father was the godfather for the Black and Puerto Rican Convention, which produced Ken Gibson as a candidate for mayor, and frankly produced Sharp James in uh, his first effort publicly for election office. So when you organize people, you get a chance to win. Unfortunately, we had to fight some of our own people in order to produce that victory. They were fighting so hard to make sure that the incumbent mayor, I had to fight our people harder than frankly I needed to. And you're talking about Hugh J. Adnesio. Right. Right. There were people in the Newark Police Department and City Hall in Newark who told me there was no way that I was going to win. Couldn't be done. Time was not possible. It was not our time. And we had to fight through that first. And we were able to succeed. We surprised a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And you paved the way for Sharp James, Mayor Sharp James. I've, I've heard you say this too, that, that Ken Gibson really paved the way. He was our hero. He was our hero then, our hero now. He's always wore Newark on his sleeves, and, um, and, and I had a hard task. You can't follow a hero. This is our Jackie Robinson. This is our Althea Gibson. This is our Kenny, Robert, Kenny uh, Washington in football. Uh, this is Earl Lloyd and Nat Sweet. Uh, water and basketball. He's our hero. Always has been, always wore a newark on his sleeves and gave me the do's and don'ts of what to do. And so I had to hit the ground running because it was no novelty being the second African-American man. <laughs> where the jobs, where the housing, where that. And so I had to hit the ground running. And fortunately, with the guidance of Mayor Gibson, we were able to create a renaissance, $10 billion. Projects that he started, I was able to complete. Society Hill was Ken Gibson, but they told us we needed $13 million because the land was contaminated. I went and got six professors from NJIT, and they said, forget that nonsense. They were oil. They had oil tanks in the ground. We'll identify the houses that had oil tanks. We'll pluck them out or put uh, sand in them, and we built. We built Society Hill, which won the Harvard University Dibley Award. We have a swimming pool out there that Ken fought for years and years in the Army. <laughs> Finally, during my tenure, we got it finished. It's called the James Gibson, the Gibson James Aquatic Center. So Ken faced what none of us had to face. He had to face uh, a hostile city council, never had a control of a city council that was favorable to him. He had to face an Anthony Imperiali who thought he was the mayor of the city of New York. So God bless the rest of us. We stand on the shoulders of Ken Gibson. And I, through the grace of God and his help and guidance, we created a renaissance. We changed the landscape of Newark forever. And I always challenge people. I say, well, did we change things? Was there a sharp change? Drive Prince Street from Springfield Avenue. You won't know where you are because that used to be Hell's Kitchen, if you want to call it, no longer. Hope Six, beautiful housing, thanks to uh, Harold Lucas and the professional people we brought in. Richard Monte, we did a national search to bring in a business administrator who could guide us. He had worked for Maynard Jackson. He had been to great cities in the South, came to Newark, and even today he's being sought to complete our Triangle Park. Senator Booker, you built on the, the Sharp James administration. Well, first of all, I think Sharp's being really humble uh, you know, you really have two generations of Newark leaders represented here. Roz and I are actually the same age. You take people like Don Payne Jr., great council president. Uh, you take, uh, um, you know, Anibal Ramos. You have all these sort of next generations. But we stand on the shoulders of a Sharp James, of a Ken Gibson. Uh, they had to fight battles that, that we benefit from, that we were never called to battle. And, and Sharp's being very humble. I mean, the two of them came at it on a scene where they both faced incredible hostility, incredible challenges, uh, just to even get their foot in the door to begin to fight. And so, so much of what you're seeing now in Newark, uh, nobody can drive around this city without seeing the transformation that's happening 
populations growing for the first time in 60 years, but the people that had to face incredible challenges and make a way out of no way. One thing I want to say again, I think Sharp's being, um, Mayor James is being a little humble. I think that both of them created relationships with Washington that uh, that that opened up doors that would not be opened if they weren't as creative in the, what they did. There's an unsung story about Sharp James that I know now know, especially after having run around the country with Secretary Clinton. Sharp James made it a point to become best friends with Bill Clinton, and those <laughs> relationships. Um, when when you are a city with a, a lot of challenges, you've got to find creative ways to bring in resources. Sharp saw drops in crime and things like that because he had partnerships with Washington, had allies in Washington that even if the state didn't have the money, he found ways to get it. So these were very creative men, made a way out of no way, opened up the doors. They are the civil rights generation, and and Roz and I clearly uh, are two young leaders st standing on their shoulders. And I I want to and and you'll agree with this. You can't say Ken Gibson, Sharp James without saying Donald Tucker, without saying uh, uh, um, if you without saying Earl uh, Harris, Earl Harris, uh, George Branch, right. uh, uh, you know Irving Turner. I mean, th these were there was a group of uh, African American leaders in this city uh, that came about around the same time uh, that transformed the, the trajectory of Newark at, at, a, at a nadir point, as you pointed out. Uh, they were the ones that were like uh, basically fueling the phoenix. Uh, for the rise of this city, uh, Mayor Barack, I, I think that what 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 uh, Mayor Gibson said about your father and his role, mm -hmm. and the party he was with in nominating Ken Gibson, I think that gets lost in history. Yeah, I, I believe so. But you know, we've come full circle. I think, and uh, I think what uh, Senator Booker is saying is absolutely correct. Uh, you know, none of these none of these things would be able to happen if it wasn't for the work that uh, Mayor Gibson, Mayor James, folks like my dad, and other people that are around here set the groundwork for us to do. Um, when, when I came in here, I mean, uh, you know, when 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 uh, the senator was the mayor, we were in probably one of the worst economic crises uh, that this country has seen since the Great Depression. And uh, you know, the city, uh, a lot of the things that were ha were happening, he was able to to you know bring a lot of people to the city a lot of light on this on the city a lot of projects to happen in a very difficult uh difficult period uh, and I, i'm just blessed to be able to you know uh catch the ball and and take it further down the field like i uh like i always say and and you know try to convert these things into touchdowns and that's that's basically what we've been doing and and i've been able to make a kind of connection so even when we when we talk about uh triangle park right so you 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 talk about uh, something that was started, you know, uh, uh, under Mayor James, passed off to uh, then Mayor Booker, who uh, began to expand it, and then I took it uh, to where we are today. Same thing with the, uh, you know, the Prudential, uh, with uh, NJ Pack and the whole uh, Theater Square project. You know, that, that's been passed down from, you know, person to person to person until we finally got it. Uh, to where it's supposed to be. So a lot of the things that are happening in the city are a result of us really uh, taking the baton and running with it when it was our turn. And uh, that's that's basically what's been happening. And, uh, you know, and we brought our own set of kind of style and interest to it as well. And I want to say this, like, there's a, there's what I love about Newark, Newarkers in general, there's a stubborn defiance. Uh, <laughs> of, you don't, you may disregard, disrespect our city, and so I still remember one time when I was sitting in a in a school in the South Ward, and I'm watching Sharp James, and people from the community are starting to attack him about <laughs> about the um, about the NJ Pack. It hadn't been built yet, and I watched this man who had to already convince the state, the governor, everybody about this impossible dream that NJ Pack was, and now he's in his own community, and people are attacking him. Oh, you're just concerned about. The downtown, downtown. And, right. and I watched this man take everybody from sort of yelling, "Why are we doing why? to turn the whole crowd around to understanding why this was a, a ignition point. And so I just want you to know, to, to Roz's point, the mayor Roz Baraka opening up the Haynes Building, the new Prudential Tower, Military Park, all of the things that are happening in that section. They're creating, I'm not exaggerating, thousands of jobs. Newark, Newarkers getting opportunities, affordable housing, Whole Foods moving in, all of that, really I could take back to that night where I watched Sharp James huh. in, this, in this school argue because that's the ignition point is, is, uh, was NJ Pack, that the arts creating 
uh, this momentum to create what, what Roz and I uh, have been doing. So the best thing I can say about, about Ken Gibson and about Sharp James uh, is they, they believed things that other people could not believe were possible. Whether it's even the fact you were selling him short. He's a, Ken Gibson's not a hero for Newark as our first black mayor. He was on the front page of Time. President of U.S. Conference Time, Time, Time Magazine. He was a he, spokesman for urban America. Urban I, come, I, I travel around the country and I get people stopping me and saying, I came from California to campaign for Ken Gibson because that's, right. that's, that's what his mayorality was representing to this hope for this country at that point. So you have two men that, that when folks were not believing when people had wanted, couldn't, didn't believe these things were possible, they believed they stubborn will. Uh, they were able to get things going that we, as two mayors, uh, the next generation of mayors are reaping, reaping a lot of the benefits of. Well, Mayor Baraka's father, who supported both Ken Gibson, myself, and others, raised money for us. Stood out on William Street uh, with a blanket on the ground and musicians to throw money to help us get in office. But everyone wore Newark on their sleeves. When we talked about pack, he came and said, John, you can't put that pack there. It's going to mean the death of Symphony Hall. Uh, uh, black folks have no center. He says, in fact, we're thinking of tar and feather you. And I knew I didn't look good. I knew I didn't look good in tar and feather. Now. So he said he made a commitment. The building of the New Jersey Performing Arts Center cannot lead to the demise, the closing of the programmatic decline at Newark Symphony Hall. And even today, we've passed that channel on to his son to make sure that Symphony Hall still stays open. Now, they stole Patti LaBelle now. I saw Larry Goldman come down there, and she was rolling on her rug. And and the next week, the next year, she was at PAC. But we are still happy that a son, our poet lawyer, we forget, not only an author, not only a great father, not only a great husband, but also our poet laureate uh, said, make sure that we build one asset in the city of Newark. We do not lose our historical yeah. Newark Symphony Hall. And now Hall. We, we have the residencies at Symphony Hall. We're about to build, we build a housing around Symphony Hall. Uh, we're, we're, we're talking about a, uh, a museum of African-American music in Symphony Hall. You know, so that whole area around is is scheduled to be developed. So that whole area at Symphony Hall is going to be uh, a beautiful and new place since around art and music by Lincoln Park, uh, which really speaks to what both people were saying. So now we have NJ Pack and all of that developed further to the north of the city and and closer to the south of the city. We're going to have Symphony Hall in the area around Symphony Hall. So while we have a tower across the street from NJ Pack, we have residencies that's being built uh, by Symphony Hall. Folks, you're witnessing a historic gathering here of the last four elected mayors of the city of Newark going all the way back to 1970. Uh, This is on WBGO's Newark Today, 88.3 FM and WBGO.org. The call-in number is 844-677-9283. You can also see us on NJTV's Facebook page. Uh, Again, the call-in number, 844-677-9283. And we have Dan on the line all the way from Bergen County. Uh, uh, Senator Booker was asking if we get some phone calls from outside the Newark area. We certainly do. Dan, welcome to the broadcast. You have a question for Mayor Baraka. That's correct. Yes, go ahead. Good evening, Mayor Baraka. How are you tonight? I'm great. Good to hear it. I I work in Newark. I live in Bergen. And I realize the the city's going through a renaissance, which is fantastic. All the buildings on Halsey, the new um, marketplace that's going up, also the uh, construction that's going on on Mulberry Street. My question to you is regarding the homeless and the crime in Newark. What's your question? Right. It's regarding the homeless and the crime rate. Okay. And what what, what you, are you doing yeah. about that? Well, I mean, we just, 2016, we just re- witnessed the lowest UCR, uh, you know, in terms of Unified Crime Report in probably five decades in, in the city, you know. So that that's less victims uh, in the city uh, in 2016 than has been in a very, very long time in the city. Uh, we have been, uh, you know, fighting against an intractable problem that has been, uh, thankfully, in, in a decline. So we are uh, uh, doing incredible things about that. And, I've, and, and, and unfortunately, you know, the, the issue of homelessness is uh, an issue that's, you know, uh, surrounding all these major cities. And 
we uh, we've been working with places like New Community to build housing uh, for homeless individuals. We uh, are doing everything that we can to continue to, to build veterans housing, to do the, the type of things to make sure that homelessness doesn't take place uh, and address it at the same time. But I do want to say one thing, though. Um, you know, when I was talking about Triangle Park, a reporter from WNYC came to me and said that, you know, this is great. But when you come to uh, uh, Newark Penn Station, you're greeted by homelessness. Don't you think that's going to stop people from coming to Newark? I said, well, it didn't stop me from going to Madison Square Garden. So at, <laughs> at, at, the, at the end of the day, like all, all of those things and people use that as a way to damper the progress in the city of Newark. And, and, and we won't allow that to happen. Yes, Mr. I think one of the things that Senator um, then Mayor Booker did on the backs of Ken and I to show you the next generation was the creative idea of teacher village. How do you reduce crime? You have to bring people uh, into neighborhoods. My son, see those vacant lots over there? Uh, can't put a cop on every corner. Put a house there, put development there, bring people in. Not on my block, not on my street. And so Teacher Village under the Book Administration is going to transform our neighborhood and put eyes and ears in the community. And, and Mayor Baraka, uh, quickly if you would tell Dan, when it, when it comes to addressing crime, uh, uh, the, the social science work you have going on in conjunction with Rutgers, Professor Todd Clear, oh, yeah. because that, that's important for people who work in Newark and live outside Newark to know that something is being done to address the issue. Well, we, we have actually Rutgers embedded in our police department now. We have the Safer Newark Council that's being run by Rutgers and, uh, and Todd Clear and a few other folks uh, that are really uh, you coming up with the kind of demographics, the, the, the problems, uh, the, the hot spots, things that you know, that we normally uh, know anecdotally, but they're coming up in terms of, of real data to help us identify where crime happens at, who's actually doing it, and, and some strategies to begin to reverse uh, its trends. And it's, and, it's been, and it's been working. And we're going to use a lot of technology uh, coming f uh, forward in 2017 to begin to address some of these spots that we can't uh, uh, get enough police at. Uh, as as uh, Mayor James said, and but I, I agree. Can I just say something in defense of my mayor as a guy that lives on Longworth Street in Newark? Um, we, what Ken was talking about earlier, he was right. I mean, uh, he, he was able to, at a time you had a Republican president that was making a lot of resources investing in our cities. Mayor Baraka doesn't have that. In fact, I think if you put the, the numbers of police officers the three of us had, he has the lowest amount of police officers. Uh, and, and I'm happy to see he's putting on new classes, promotions. He's, he's building up his police department again. But we, we had this massive recession, but you don't have the federal government committed to investing in that. Now, we've done, we spend billions and billions of dollars on issues of terrorism, uh, of homeland security, of military spending. But we are not investing in those programs that day-to-day -day will help mayors like Mayor Baraka keep our country safer. This is why I'm fighting for COPS grants for the city of Newark and other places. But... We need to start having a focus for a domestic security program where we're investing again in our cities. But what Mayor Barack will tell you right away, and I've heard him say this publicly enough times, police stop the symptoms of crime, the symptoms of the problem rather, but not the problem. And what we really need to be investing in as a country, which is so much more fiscally responsible, like let's just look at homelessness. It is more expensive for a mentally ill person to be on the streets than it is to, to, to put them into supportive housing. Yet we don't fund supportive housing or mental health care. And so these battles that we put on the shoulders of mayors for the things that we should be prioritizing and doing as a community is what we should be talking about as a country. And the final thing I'll say is anybody who wants to bash Newark now, look at the data. The city's growing for the first time in 60, 60 years. Population is growing. People are voting with their feet. There's still all these stereotypes that swirl around Newark. But the truth of what's happening in this city uh, is far different still than the stereotypes. And people are knowing it because they want to move their businesses here. Uh, they want to move their families here. Uh, they want to send their kids to our schools. The true story of what's happening in Newark is, is extraordinary and, and what Roz is building. Good we have, is that. Mayor James, we have, to take, we, we have to take a quick sure. break here to hear from our uh, WBGO. Okay. And when we come back, we'll be talking about some of the conditions that uh, Mayor Booker and, and of course, uh, uh, you, uh, Mayor James, want to hear when we come back. Hi, 
This is WBGO News Director Doug Doyle. How exciting it is to have the four living mayors of Newark joining us tonight for this edition of Newark Today. And your support of WBGO makes this kind of special programming possible. It's fun to be a part of the greatest jazz station in the world, your station, WBGO. Please take a moment tonight and contribute so we can continue to bring you the most unique combination of music and information. You can call us at 1-800-499-9246. That's 1-800-499-9246. Or contribute online from anywhere at WBGO.org. It's crucial we hear from you tonight, though. It's match day. Your dollars are matched by the Jazz Challenge Fund. For example, an average pledge of $10 a month would result in $240 to your public radio station. WBGO, Newark Public Radio. Call us at 1-800-499-9246 or pledge online at WBGO.org. And thanks. You're listening to Newark Today, and we want to hear from you. Call us at 1-844-677-9283. That's 1-844-677-9283. Public safety. Public safety. Public safety. And we have to look at it in a comprehensive fashion. Uh, so it does involve policing, getting many more cops onto the street, making sure that they're responding to the urgencies of residents' uh, needs, but also about reforming our uh, way we're going about providing for our children in the first place with more recreational program, more comprehensive services for our kids and help for our kids. You were listening there to uh, Senator Cory Booker, then Mayor Cory Booker. Uh, he's in studio with us now, along with three other Newark mayors, the last four elected mayors. On Newark Today on WBGO 88.3 FM and WBGO.org, and of course on NJTV's Facebook uh, live page. Uh, we're, we're all here in studio. This is uh, a historic broadcast uh, of these four mayors who have been directing this city, uh, four elected mayors for the last almost 40, 50 years or so. And you just heard Senator Booker, uh, when he was mayor, talking about public safety, public safety, public safety. And uh, that is so important to a city's image. Um, and, and Mayor Baraka is constantly talking about this, too. Uh, mayor James, you wanted to make a point about well, that. You know, going back, Mayor Booker explained that we could pick up the phone, call Bill Clinton and send him. They used to say, well, what about when the grant runs out? We said, we'll worry about that when we get cross that bridge. But more important, Government do not have all the answers. We need help from many who life came from Newark. Uh, Shaq, he came to Newark, sharp, uh, opened the door, and I saw this wall outside and uh, came to Club Millennium that time of the party, and I drove around Newark. Oh, sharp, I want to do it. Didn't do anything. During the Book Administration, Shaq Theater. Now, during Mayor Baraka's tenure, uh, Rutgers Street and others, the buildings are under. So we need some of those who benefited from Newark, famous, if they would come back also and give a helping hand with the millions of dollars they have to invest in the city. So government also needs outside help. And Newark has so many wonderful people whose life started here in Newark. And, and, yes. One of the things that yes, go ahead, Mayor Gibson. I wanted to add to what Mayor Baraka said. When I took office, we had people lined up to try to get a job. Lined up to get jobs that weren't even available to them before my election. We have now to deal with producing young people who are gonna follow in our footsteps, in Mayor Branca's footsteps. The greatest natural resource we have in this country is our people our people. We have people who are going to be put in charge of national education who don't believe in public education. Yes. This is criminal. The reason we suffer in some of these urban centers is because the people who are supposedly helping us are helping to cripple us in all kinds of ways. Mayor to What Mayor Gibson is alluding to I mean, even a caller, he called from Bergen County, he said he worked in Newark. 80% of the people who work in the city of Newark don't live here, right? So uh, a lot of the wealth is created in the city and it's, and it's taken out. We're working with the anchor institutions now 
to create a uh, work live by kind of strategy in the in the city of Newark to uh, increase the number where we're at 17 percent. You know, most of the, the the folks who are employed in Newark actually work outside of the city. So we're trying to get these anchor institutions to commit to hiring more Newark residents, to, to train them and prepare them for for the growing uh, industries that, that are happening in the city. St. Barnabas has stepped up. They've had two classes where they trained people and, and hired them right after they've trained it, uh, 20 or so people per class. Uh, Prudential is stepping up, you know. Uh, a lot of these these folks are saying we're gonna hire Newark residents. We've been able to drive the unemployment rate down because we've been uh, very adamant about people hiring the, uh, a residence when businesses come like ShopRite, they hired over 50, 60, 70% Newark residents. Whole Foods is getting ready to do the same thing. We're working with and training residents right now to hire all of these Newarkers and the, the fact that people don't know is not just the development is happening downtown, but all of the warehouse space around the airport is just booming. And so you have these big box uh, kind of industries about to come and they are coming to Newark. Uh, and we're training residents to, to take those jobs as well. That's really the thing that's going to really drive the crime rate down is making sure that we drive unemployment uh, down. We're still uh, twice that of the country and the state of New Jersey. How much a part of this in, in terms of turning the city around, and Mayor Gibson, I want you to chime in on this too, how much a part of, of turning a city around like Newark does uh, public education play? Because if you're, uh, uh, if you're generating generation after generation of underperforming schools that are not preparing students for the work environment, then you have a situation where you have someone who works in Newark but lives in Bergen County. Uh, Audible, for instance, 850 ploy- employees, only 12% live in the city of Newark. How, how, do, you, how do you change that? And based on what you're saying, it, you're not just simply relying on public education to get this right. It, it, the time is now. Absolutely. I think the, you, you have to have an educated workforce. You have to have uh, a city where when people li- live and they move, they want to be able to send their kids to those schools. And good schools uh, uh, keeps... Uh, people in the neighborhood and keep them in the community, and and those ki- those schools turn out residents that can participate in the economy of the city. I mean, our our graduation rate has improved in the city of Newark. Thirty percent of our kids are in mag in these magnet schools that are outperforming um, everybody uh, in the city. We have a long way to go, but I think that we are in a we're on a precipice now uh, of being able to one get our schools back under our uh, uh, directorship, uh, but also be able to create. Uh, a kind of uh, atmosphere in the city, uh, a collection of, of schools that are able to uh, turn out the residents that we need, the students that we need. And let me add two things. Yes. So first of all, I, you know, Sharp fought this battle, I know, because I witnessed it as a city council person, to try to get even your police officers, your firefighters to live in the city. And one of the things I still remember, as a guy on my security detail who didn't live in Newark, when we visited one of these, ex- we, we have a lot of exciting, Washington, Washington University, pick Newark as the number one city in America that has beat the odds schools, high poverty, high performing. So we are doing things that other cities are not doing here in Newark. So when my security detail looks at the school we were in, he's like, oh my God, move this family back into Newark in order to get his kids in this school. But I want to say something because this is a battle that I know all, all four of us had, which is this, first of all, getting people to understand that what Newark is doing for New Jersey, right. we are one of the greatest economic engines for this state. Port Authority, universities, hospitals. And what most people don't understand is all this that Newark gives to the tax base of the city, you were being kind about the amount of jobs that we produce. The Port Authority alone, based in Newark, produces about 200,000 direct or indirect jobs for all around this state, economic engine for this region. I now know this uh, from my from my position as somebody who represents the whole state about what kind of gem that is. Now, what I want to say is what these mayors have had to deal with is the fact that the majority of the land in the city of Newark, we can't, we can't tax. We get nothing from this land. So whether it's our garbage incinerators that are our jails, and for, nobody wants these in their other parts of this state. We take these burdens in Newark, and the jobs of them, people get mad at us for then insisting, well, if these things are in Newark, you should be hiring people from our community, training people up, apprenticeship programs, and the like. And so that's often the battle that we have, is knowing the value that our city's playing, uh, the jobs that we're producing for the region, and trying to fight to get our fair share. Something that Sharp James, again, stimulus, this shows of passing the baton. The first new hotel in, in Newark for 40 years, built by the arena, the Marriott. Roz on the city council. We had to go through battles just to make sure that 30% 
of the people that were working on that job were from the city of Newark uh, uh, that were constructing that. The battle Sharp James went through on the building of uh, of NJ Pack to make sure that uh, you put one of the best men on, on Gus Henningberg, Gus Henningberg Gus one of the great, great Newarkers on that job to make sure. We He just cut the ribbon on the Haynes building. If you have not walked in there, I was just telling him, uh, you know, blown away. It's an amazing, amazing project. We wouldn't even approve the tax abatements for them unless they made commitments to hiring. Mm -hmm. These are the constant battles of all four mayors here to make sure that the residents who live here uh, get a shot, a fair shot at the, at the jobs, as well as the training opportunities for the people, for our young people coming up. So people say, well, I'm not going to move in Newark because school system and crime, as indicated, crime is everyone's problem, and certainly the mayor's trying to address that. The school issue is not what people try to make it. It's not public school versus choice or charter school. They're both going to exist. The issue is that public schools, guaranteed by the Constitution, must offer a quality education and must exist. If you take the majority of people, <laughs> Shabazz, Miller Street, uh, light blue or what? Madison Avenue School, University High School. <laughs> we, 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 we're, we're products of the school system. Right. So there is that debate, you know, well, charter school versus public school. But Mayor Gibson hit the most important okay. thing. We now have being proposed for the nation someone who wants to entirely destroy privatize. the privatize the whole system. It's only one. Destroy public education. That's wrong. Mayor James, we have someone on the line now. This is Roslyn from Newark with a question. Roslyn, uh, welcome to the broadcast. And what's your question? My question is for Senator uh, Booker. Yes. I'm a product of Newark schools, and I'd like to know if you feel you made a mistake with allowing so many charter schools in the district to destroy the regular district. Who, who's that director? Right. Senator Booker? Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, again, understand the law. As a mayor, you don't have power to allow charter schools or not. When the charter school movement started happening, my focus was I wanted to fight to make sure they were good charter schools that they're going to be in the city of Newark, and if they weren't going to be good, we would work to close them. So I leaned in heavily to try to make sure that our charter schools were good. Now, we are ranked the second best charter city in all of America. So that's the quality of our charter schools. Only one city in America has better performing charter schools than ours. And as a result of the magnet schools in Newark, the charter schools in Newark, taken all together, not only did Washington say that we have the best beat-the-odd schools, high poverty, high performance, but we were literally, uh, uh, I've seen in the last 10 years, since about charter schools really got hold in Newark, and the expansion of other things that we've been working on, if you're an African-American kid in Newark, your chances of going to a high-quality school in just one decade went up 300%. And so I'm like, I'm like the, the, the Mayor, Mayor Sharp James. My focus is on my kids in, our kids in Newark having quality schools and options, just as if you were a millionaire's child, you can choose a lot of great schools to go to. Our kids are just as special, and they should have high-quality, public, public, so important that what, what uh, Mayor Gibson said, public school choices to choose from. And so in Newark, you, you, the, the quality choices are improving, so much so, again, these are nationally organizations that are recognizing Newark. Brookings Institution ranked for public school choice now, public school choice, Brookings Institution ranks us in the top five of giving parents the ability to choose high-quality schools, and, and that's something I'm proud of. Good. Mayor Baraka, uh, I know you have concerns with the, the growth of charter schools uh, in Newark and, and, the, and the district being returned to local control. Well, in 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 the atmosphere of uh, scarce resources, it it becomes a problem, and uh, you know how public schools are funded through property taxes inherently uh, is a problem, and uh, you know to rob Peter and pay Paul is is going to be an issue, right? And I think that the the fundamental problem is uh, that a lot of these decisions are made outside of the purview of the people that it affects. And that the closer that we are able to make the decisions locally, the I think the the more sound they'll be, and the more pragmatic they'll be. I mean, I think at this point, uh, our parents are not uh, at each other's throat about you know um, what what kind of school the kids go to, but just the equality of what's happening in these schools, the resources that are there, uh, the the idea that uh, some schools should are functioning and others are not. We have to. As leaders, deal with that. We have to deal with, with the fact that uh, you know we have a fifty, sixty, seventy million dollar hole in the traditional public schools, and that 
the cooler heads have to prevail. People who are sensible about the fact that, you know, everybody's kid, no matter where they are, have to have, be, have access to a quality and decent education that we have to figure out how to make it work. You know what I worry about while we have to face this challenge of offering a quality education in our urban centers and especially here in Newark, the largest city in New Jersey, what worries me and certainly everyone at this table, you pick up the paper and in Jefferson Township where you say, well, they have a great school system, suburban, all like that, and they're yelling at a basketball game to the, uh, to the Hispanic kids, build a wall. Yeah. And to the African-American student, uh, ashy knees. Then why is the suburban schools uh, that great if they haven't taught respect for one another? That's the first fundamental thing we teach, respect for one another. We're all family. Mi casa es su casa, familia. Uh, That's frightening. Mayor James, since we're talking about schools the state uh, uh, took over the the schools in New I believe in, in your administration uh, you were also a state senator how did that benefit the city of Newark in, in, in a fight like this when you it didn't when you, benefit Newark. they took over a school system and then said they were not responsible for what's happening in the school system they took it over for the contracts they took it over for all the perks but every time the city said well let's evaluate the school system under state control. It failed under state control. Right. Well, if it failed under state control, give it back to local control. Right. It's an embarrassment. It's not about education. It's not about our children. It's about who get the contracts, who get the jobs, who take home the six-figure salary. Most of the arguments around education is not about the children. It's about go, money. Let me just drive this point home because... Again, we've seen this in Michigan. We've seen this in lots of places where the state comes in, takes something over, and denies the local population the ability to control the destiny uh, of, of uh, to, to have local. And that's, by the way, that's fundamental understanding of our government is that people should have democratic control of their institutions. And so, when I was mayor, one of the things that uh, was just unacceptable to me was the conditions of the buildings our kids were going to. Please understand, like you have to create a nurturing environment for children. But we had buildings that were literally crumbling around our children, piping that still to this day uh, is inadequate for producing the kind of water. And so what, what I'm just saying is that th- this, this is a, there's a larger issue here. We, we seem to want to starve our schools, and then we wonder why we're having to pay so much on the back end. Because if you think education is expensive, ignorance is far more expensive. And we have not met the obligations as a state for cultivating, to use the words of Ken Gibson, he just spoke, the greatest natural resource we have, which is, which is our children. And so that's been very frustrating. Think about this right now. You just went through the decades that are represented here of leadership. The state took this over in, in 1995. 1995, more than 20 years from na- ago, and has not had an adequate plan uh, with which to return to the people of the city of Newark uh, uh, control over that destiny of our schools. We're going to take a break, and when we come back, I want to uh, hear from you guys the best achievement you've had in your administration, uh, the best advice you ever followed, the worst advice you may, <laughs> you may ever follow. Uh, that's where we come back. Another message from I, I hear our stations this. here at WBGO on, uh, on Newark today. This is WBGO News Director Doug Doyle again. This is indeed a historic night at WBGO with the four living mayors of Newark in our studios for this edition of Newark Today. And your financial support is making it possible. Yeah, you. You are making a difference in this great combination of music and news on the greatest jazz station in the world. It's your station, WBGO. Take ownership of it. Call us right now with a pledge of support at 1-800-499-9246. That's 1-800-499-9246. Or make your contribution online from anywhere in the world at WBGO.org. And it's match day. Your dollars are matched by the Jazz Challenge Fund. You've always wanted to give a little bit more to keep this great station alive. You can do so tonight. Call us at one 800 499-9246 or online at wbgo.org. You've made the right choice. Thanks for supporting Newark Today and WBGO.
You're listening to Newark Today, and we want to hear from you. Call us at 1-844-677-9283. That's 1-844-677-9283. If we can make it a better place to live, for many reasons, better education, better housing conditions, and better job opportunities for people, we can have people coming to Newark. And we still have some people doing, you know, they don't kind of publicize that. Well, we have a lot of people coming to Newark for these reasons. And what I would like to do is to keep the younger people thinking about living in Newark. That's a familiar theme. Uh, so it is. Uh, I'm Michael Hill, your host on WBGO Newark Today, WBGO 88.3 FM and WBGO.org. Again, the call-in number is 844-677-9283. The voice you just heard was Mayor Kenneth Allen Gibson in September 1970, a special broadcast on WBGO from Central High School way back in the day. And uh, uh, Mayor, I, I, I think, uh, Mayor Gibson, I, I think Mayor Barack would agree they're still trying to get younger people, young energy in the city of Newark. That's right. We have uh, many young people in the city. Right. The problem that we all have, whether in public office or not, is preparing these young people for the future that's ahead of them. If they can't read, they're not being well served. I've had people come to me asking for a recommendation to for a job. They can't write a sentence, Michael. Mm. When I first came to Newark in 1940, Newark had one of the best public school systems in the country, bar none. 1940, brother. Bar none. <laughs> the problem now is we say we have high school graduates who need assistance in order to go to college. It's not proper for us to say that we're enlightened people if we're not preparing our young people for the world in which they live. And if they're not prepared... They're not prepared, they can't compete anywhere. If we're in a world where we're competing with all other countries for employment, for development, for science and education, and our young people are not prepared, what kind of chance do they have to get a job? Do you see that, Mayor Gibson, as, as the... You, you, you started this broadcast off talking about some of the almost intractable issues in, in urban America, and Newark in, in particular, when it comes to housing, comes to employment, comes to crime, comes to schools and issues with the schools and things like that. It, it, is that kind of the, the root of it, if, if you can get public education on track to really educate? It's not just public education. And then I joined with my colleagues here. It's education, period, whether it's charter, it's private, whatever. But we are not producing competitive students. I talked to the heads of our educational institutions. They're saying, in many cases, that the students can't qualify for college with high school diplomas. They need assistance in order to try to keep up with the first year of college, if they go to college. And they don't have to go to college to be properly educated. But we are not serving our country well. How would you like to go to a doctor who can't read? And that's what we're getting. I think I'd make one visit and I think that would be it. Yeah. And we are not preparing our people for the world in which we live. Global economy. It is. We have a caller on the line. This is George from uh, Jersey City who has a question about gentrification. George, welcome to the broadcast, and go ahead, please. Thank you so much. Uh, gentlemen, uh, 
First, I'd like to applaud you all for the positive contributions you've made in the growth and continuation of progress in Newark. My question is that with the development and growth that you've all referenced comes perhaps renewed interest from outside populations, uh, people who may not be native to Newark, who see the growth and uh, see opportunities. What can be done to maintain or ensure that the existing populations within Newark especially the minority populations, can continue to benefit from the growth and development and educational opportunities and are not, uh, per se, overtaken uh, by this renewed interest and uh, gentrification of uh, certain neighborhoods. Yeah, Barack, would you like to take that? So I think it's two things. When I don't think gentrification is happening in Newark, first of all, right now. I just, I just don't see it. Um, when, when people talk about gentrification, it's the displacement of one group of people for another. That's that's just simply not happening. What, what's happening now is abandoned properties that weren't being used are now being developed. Buildings that were, uh, uh, you know, not you know, thought of or imagined are now coming up out of the ground. Uh, that's what's happening uh, in the city now. We have about 300,000 more residents. Newark at one point had a half a million people in the city, we have room for hundreds of thousands of people. Um, you know, people are, when, when, when we see a shop right, I mean, a student told me that her teacher told her that when a shop right came and that, that represented gentrification. Now, so that's, that's a, two, uh, a two-edged sword there that we're talking about. So you're talking about families that have never had access to shop right in their life, couldn't walk down the street. But then you're talking about people who keep telling them this, who have the privilege to get in their car and drive, like I do, outside of the city and go shop uh, and don't have to go to the corner store and get inferior food at higher prices. So on the one hand, we we have to uh, not be ultra liberal and make sure that we are developing a city that all of us can benefit from. So, I mean, on, on the other side, Rutgers this, uh, incoming class this year has more Newark residents in their incoming class than they've ever had, I think, since the history of, of, of the university ever opened uh, because of the focus on Newark residents and Newark students and pipelines that we're creating. We have inclusionary zone ordinances that's being passed by the municipal council that uh, demands 20% of affordable housing uh, in the developments that are coming in and around the city. And even before we codified that into law, uh, the, the developers that are coming to the city are willingly uh, putting affordability into their property because we are raising this and we're talking to them about it, right? So, uh, for example, the Haynes Project has 40% affordability, which is twice as much uh, than what the law will allow or, or demand them to do. So the, the development in the city, people have already, we've already confronted them about employing Newark residents, making sure that Newarkers have the ability to live at those sites, that we create a, you know, we, we feed our uh, affordable housing trust fund to be able to create affordable housing, but more importantly, that we create jobs in the city so people can afford the development that's happening in Newark. It's a holistic uh, a kind of approach, and we need people that that think, you know, at that level and are creative and imaginative to be a part of trying to develop and transform our city to help us solve some of these issues and not be cynical about it. Uh, that prevents the development and growth uh, for people that are in this city who deserve it, just like anybody else. I just want to add, you forty-seven years of leadership here, and when I say leadership, Sharp James, Ken Gibson, still involved in the city of Newark. And there was a consciousness that came uh, really with Ken Gibson. That is, when we do stuff in Newark, we're not going to just push people out. We're going to work on every project to make sure that Newarkers get a shot to, at building, construction, get a shot at the, uh, the later jobs, and get a shot at, at living. So Roz and I worked in City Hall at the same time. He was he was a city council person. I couldn't bring a development project to Roz Baraka and, and, and Don Payne and... Uh, 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 you know, and a lot of the other great leaders we have, without, if I didn't show them not just 20 percent, I mean, you look at Studebaker Lofts, you look at Richardson Lofts, I mean, these projects had 30, 40, uh, even more affordable housing to make sure Newarkers could have a shot at living there. And the last thing I want to say about this, um, which is just really important to understand, and I, I saw, witnessed this when Sharp James brought the Home Depot to Newark. And I'll never forget, um, uh, and I, again, Sharp is one of the best public speakers <laughs> I, I have ever heard. And when he was selling this project to the community again, he talked about Newarkers getting jobs. One of the most beautiful things I ever saw was when I went up to the Home Depot. I don't know if you remember this. 
pe people always look down on folks say they don't want to work, what have you. There were lines wrapped around the Home Depot mm -hmm. of people standing in line to get exactly. those jobs. And they knew because of the agreements we made with the companies when they came here that Newark residents would have their first shot right. uh, at, 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 at those jobs. I want to take you back to uh, May 2014. And this is the current mayor, Raz Baraka, uh, at his inauguration address and what he had to tell the city of Newark and the state of New Jersey. Let's listen. We need a mayor that will call for everyone to pay their fair share, that will find new revenue and new growth. A mayor that will take us past Brick City and help us embrace our future. We need a mayor that will harness the power of small business, our universities, the promise of our seaport and our airport to benefit the hundreds and thousands of us. A mayor that puts his city first. A mayor that never forgets how he got here. Yeah, we need a mayor that's radical. I think Corey wrote that speech. <laughs> <laughs> that was July 2014, Inauguration Day. Mayor James, what you're seeing with Mayor Barack and what he's doing, radical? You know, you, you brought up a question maybe that I didn't want to answer because <laughs> if you fight for your city, fight for your people, you're radical. And if you really fight hard, you become a target. Mm -hmm. So so you know where I want to go after that. If you fight, you become a target. If you uh, demand the resources that the city deserves. Someone asked me a question, said, Sharp, if you had to do it all over again, you would not have helped that African-American woman. And I looked at him and said, if I had to do it all over again, I would help her again because she paid the same price as everyone else. You're listening to That's the, the uh, price you have to pay yes. when you fight for your city and fight for the people. You're at risk. And you have code <laughs> words that they use for any of us who are in leadership <laughs> positions. They used to call us uh, uh, radical. Uh, they called us all kinds of names. That, and, and, and Raj uses that in his speech because that's what his father was called. That's right. mm. I had to carry that reputation throughout my campaigns because of his father. His father was considered really radical. <laughs> I apologize. <laughs> <for that. laughs> you know? But somebody has to lead the way, Michael. All of us stand on the shoulders of giants that came before us. Somebody has to be the trailblazer. Sometimes it's not easy to be the one out front. Okay. So what happens in this country for the people in the front? They get assassinated. Mm. One way or the other, verbally and actually physically. But leadership has its dangers. And anybody who thinks that Martin Luther King was assassinated by one crazy white man don't remember that he was one of the most hated people in the history of this country by the man who was in charge of the biggest law enforcement group in this country. So there's, there's something I learned from the three leaders that are here that I love to witness, and that was just simply this. You can't lead the people if you don't love the people. And love is a radical thing. In this context of who we just elected president, demeaning and degrading people, condemning inner cities, that's not radical. Loving all Americans, elevating them, and believing so much in them that we could transform places uh, that others castigate and demean into places of hope, help, and opportunity. I think that's a radical concept, and that's the radical love. You can say whatever you want about the four of us, but we are folk that love the city of Newark, uh, and if you cut us, uh, we're going to bleed bricks. Uh, we have about a minute left. I want to ask each of you this question. Uh, we just have about a minute left. Mayor Gibson, the best advice you followed when you were in office? Is to make sure that we try to provide decent health care to citizens. When I took office, we had the highest infant mortality rate, the highest venereal d disease rate, the highest tuberculosis rate. We set up neighborhood health centers. There are children alive today that would not have survived if it weren't for those health centers. Mayor James? 
the people always come first. We get elected to serve the people, not ourselves. And we never uh, become bigger than the people. And then, of course, I would recommend to all the young people who will follow, surround yourself with professional people who can do the job. Uh, Senator Bucket, the, be yes, like the best advice? If you, if, you, if you don't, you can't lead the people if you don't love the people. That's, right. I'll leave with that, but I want to give us time for Member Ross. Uh, to always be prepared. The best advice uh, I got was to be prepared and read it again if you read it already. I want to thank Mayor Baraka, Senator Cory Booker, Mayor James, and Mayor Gibson for joining us on a special broadcast of Newark Today. It has been uh, thrilling to be your host. Uh, I'm a native of Newark. Uh, I love this city just as you do. And I'm glad that we had this opportunity finally to get all four of you in one place to sit down and talk. And I can't think of a better place than WBGO. I want to thank my crew as well and all of our listeners. Uh, that's uh, Corey. Um, on the boards. That's Ang Santos on the telephone. Our producer is Alexandra Hill. Our executive producer is Doug Doyle. And I'm your host, Michael Hill. And you're listening to WBGO Newark. <laughs>